The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Prince, and I'm your host. It is Wednesday, May 26th, and it's time for an NFC South reset on, on this uh, episode. Of course, the NFC South coming up, two divisions left. In the feed, you can check out the entire AFC uh, reset division by division and the NFC West. Those are already in your feed. We break down the odds for each team, we look at their win totals, we look their odds to win the Super Bowl, the division, all of that. Try and find you some actionable betting items. I actually put in a big bet on the Bills over win total, uh, 10.5, as a result of the podcast that we did. Maybe we'll find something on the NFC South. If you hear a win total you like while listening to this podcast on YouTube, youtube.com slash pick six, like the video, hook us up, and then comment with a win total you like the most in the NFC South. Maybe we'll go back through and, uh, and pick out the best ones and uh, give them something. Like maybe a month of Paramount Plus, which I'm not sure I'm allowed to give away. But it's um, something you're going to want because after seven months, a seven-month war of attrition, it's finally here. The Champions League final, the match the world has been waiting for, Man City versus Chelsea. The UEFA Champions League final Saturday, May 29th at 3 p.m. Eastern, streaming live on Paramount+. Plus. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash UCL to start your free trial today. That's right, Jared Dubin, who's going to help us break down the NFC South and is apparently a Man City fan. If you don't have Paramount+, Plus, you can go get a free trial to watch the UCL final. It's a no-brainer, right? Absolutely. I got my old-school Yaya Torre jersey ready to break out for the final. It's going to be fun. Um, so uh, I almost ended up being a Chelsea fan. I was trying to pick a team to, to, to follow like a UC, like a, like a, yeah. uh, just a, just a, any team, I, you know, pri- maybe premier league, I guess. Um, and Chelsea was one of the primary teams was the primary team. I was looking at, I tried to become a Chelsea fan. They're a little too bandwagony for me. I, I, I don't know I, much I, about I Chelsea fans, honestly. It's, it's one of those sports where I'm very much this way in, in baseball and hockey where like, I just follow my team and I don't know anything about any of the other teams. Like I just know about the Rangers in hockey. If you ask me something about someone on the devils, I'd be like, who is that? I only know the hurricanes. Exactly. <laughs> with you there. It's very much the same thing in soccer. It was just, I did the same thing. I just to pick a team. This was going back like 2012 or 13 when I was still writing at Grantland back in the day. And my editor oh. there just was just like, just pick a team and follow them. That's how you get to be, you know, a fan of the league. Don't try to follow everything. The whole league. 
Yeah, so I went looking for like American players on the team. So I was like, oh, I'll know one of those guys, but I couldn't find any that are actually good at the time. It's a lot different than now. So I just saw on Manchester City that they had Yaya Torre. And when I was a kid, my brother, who's three years younger than me, could not pronounce Jared. So he called me Yaya. So I was like, great, this is my team. Little did I know that he was like awesome and Manchester City was really good and won the Premier League in the first season. I was a fan. Nice. And now is the uh, the betting favorite, actually, minus 120 to uh, to beat Chelsea on the money line. Chelsea plus 325. And then they draw in regulation plus uh, 235. You, you can do the all the different types of betting, which is, is fun to do. I mean, like there's 0% chance I won't bet on this match just because it's the you know, champions league. It's going to be on, it's going to be a big thing. Uh, and of course it'll be on Paramount plus, which I can stream on one of my TVs. Oh, and actually I can stream on my smart TV. We have a, you know, our LG TV. Yeah. I always go to the, we have like a little Paramount plus thing on the home dock, which is awesome. Cause I can fire that up and watch it. And when you get to Paramount plus, it is extremely eat. Like it's, You'd have to be pretty dumb not to find the Champions League. Some of these play, some of these apps hide stuff. It's the first thing that pops up. They're good about putting it on the homepage. Easy to stream, easy to watch. And as we mentioned, you can get a free uh, free trial with uh, Paramount Plus at ParamountPlus.com slash UCL. The, but not expected to be many goals scored in this. The over-under, two and a half, minus 160 to the under. Is that Sounds a- like a 3 nothing win to me. <laughs> 3 nothing Man, Man City, I assume? Yes. <laughs> Man City's over under. The expectation is that I don't really get this. It's probably a 2 1 win is the expectation, I guess. Like 2 no, 1. I think it's, I think it's one. I don't know. Man, Chelsea is over under is a half, but over is minus 150. And then Man City's over under is one and a half. And yeah, the under so is minus 150. So its expectation is either 2-1 or 1-0, basically. Yeah, 1-0 is kind of their target, but they don't want to make – yeah, hmm, interesting. Cool. Uh, very exciting. I cannot wait for the Champions League final, and neither can Dubes, who is a Man City fan. Make sure and sign up for that at ParamountPlus.com slash UCL. Let's dive into the NFC South, where there's almost as much drama as there is in the Champions League. Despite it being the offseason, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, of course, are the favorite at minus 180. The Saints, despite losing Drew Brees, uh, just shy of three to one at William Hill, our good friends there, to win the division. The Falcons, eight to one. Panthers, 10 to one. And even though the Falcons we usually go in reverse order, for the sake of incorporating a lot of the buzz around the league and around just the NFL and the NFC South in general, we're going to start with the Falcons because, frankly, Julio Jones is in the news. He is the news. He and Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson's on the back burner. It's it's Julio Jones and Aaron Rodgers. Do you think Julio Jones? Well, I was asked you first. Julio Jones was on un, undisputed with Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless. I want to ask you I'm, first. I'm, I'm do sure. You think, do you think he knew he was on live TV? That's the question I was going to ask you. I, oh, okay. Because <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. It's 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 tough to tell. Like Shannon's very relaxed looking, but also. Maybe that show is just like that. I'm not a big undisputed watcher. Um, so so here's here's my take on it. I think Shannon was like, Shannon Sharp was like, hey, I think he's got Julio's number. I think he texted Julio. It's like, hey, man, will you come on the show and talk about your situation? You know, we'll, we'll you know, and, and, and Julio was like, yeah, man, absolutely. And then the show starts and 
Shannon calls Julio on his personal cell phone, which he then holds up on speakerphone, basically to a microphone on his body. And he's having this conversation with Julio. And my guess is that Julio gets a call from Shannon and doesn't think, oh, this is the show. So he's talking to Shannon and then somebody, and then he's like, no, nah, man, I'm getting the hell out of there. His, his exact words are, no, nah, man, I'm getting out of there, man, I believe was the, the phrase. And, and then I think he realized he might was on TV and was like, oh, crap. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. I also think like he wants out like sure or or maybe it's not even that he wants out and that it's that he thinks he's out like i don't know if, if it was really necessarily clear either way uh one thing that was clear not going to the cowboys yeah which i don't think cowboys. we expected anyway um they have three really good wide receivers and i don't think anyone expected um him to be one Wanting to play for Dan Quinn or for Jerry Jones to have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you uh, trade? Um, by the way, would you trade CD Lamb? You're a Cowboys fan. Would you trade CD Lamb for Julio Jones? Would I trade like eight years of CD Lamb for the one year or two years left on Julio's contract? I don't think so. Okay, yeah, I think it's a realistic question. Yeah, I mean, I trade the one year left on Michael Gallup. Right, and you trade Amari Cooper for Julio Jones too. Yeah, because it's the same thing. Like, there's yeah. so much more team control on CD lamb at such a cheaper price. Like well, Gallup's going to get expensive right. next year. Cooper's already expensive. Um, so those two, it makes much more sense. So the same thing could be asked for San Francisco. Would you trade Brandon Ayuk for Julio Jones? I personally wouldn't do it. Just trade draft picks. Like they have the cap money to fit him. Like give them draft picks and like Jalen Hurd or whatever, you know? Yeah. Or, yeah, I wouldn't want to trade Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk. You know, you're talking no, about the, the whole Jones point would be putting those guys together with Julio Jones and George Kittle. Yeah, and Julio Jones. So, but those are kind of two, those are two of the landing spots that are banded about. I agree, the Cowboys was never realistic. Doesn't make any uh, sense. No, it was just it's undisputed. And Skip Bayless is a weird Cowboys fanboy, so that's why they went there. I guess I don't know. Maybe or maybe he wanted Julio to dog the Cowboys in front of Skip Bayless. So, at any rate. Um, where do you think some other landing spots might be? Because the 49ers do make sense. I think the Titans make a ton of sense with their depth chart. A.J. Brown is the only, I mean, no offense to Josh Reynolds, but A.J. Brown is kind of the only guy on that roster that you really trust from a pass-catching perspective, unless you're a big Anthony Ferkser junkie. And then you have uh, Green Bay, certainly a landing spot. The Packers, you know, because of their need to woo Aaron Rodgers back, it's possible you go get, you know, Julio, yeah, when you when you make your wife mad, the best way to uh, the best way to to make her happy again is to appease her with a a nice piece of jewelry. And what's nicer than Julio Jones? Yeah, I did our landing spots article on the site uh, on Julio Jones. Had the Packers on there, had the Titans on there, the Forty ers on there. Um, got the Ravens on there. They have like ten million in cap space, but they could create you know enough to fit Julio on there. Obviously, they brought in. Um, Rashad Bateman, and for some reason I'm blanking on the other receiver. Ty- Tyler Wallace, therefore. Tyler Wallace, and they have Marquise Brown. They have Mark Andrews. They don't have like that real number one guy on the perimeter. Obviously, they have a bunch of dudes that would fit really nicely with Julio Jones. What they have, yeah, yeah. Um, I had the Patriots on there. Like they just spent like a gazillion dollars upgrading their pass catching core, and still the best guys like Hunter Henry. 
So you the know, best they, wide receiver is either Nelson Aguilar or Jacoby Myers. I mean, or Kendrick Bourne. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um. So they they I would say they've still got a need. I had the Chargers on there. Obviously, they have Keenan Allen. Um, they lost Hunter Henry, so now they're looking at like you know Jared Cook and Donald Parham at tight end. Mike Williams is in his fifth year option year. So I mean, I'd rather have Julio Jones for two years than Mike Williams. At, like after this year, like I'd rather just have Keenan and Julio next year than pay Mike Williams on a long term deal. Um, I had the Colts there. Uh, was the last team they got T.Y. Hilton, Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell. None of those guys necessarily a top end wide receiver. They have the really good offensive line for Carson Wentz, but they don't necessarily have a really good group of pass catchers. So I think he would fit well there too. The Colts have been like otherworldly style patient with their cap space. This seems but, but like an opportunity very aggressive, with their, aggressive in trading for stars. I mean, they're not afraid to make a move Wentz and then DeForest Buckner the year before that. Yeah, so I think this would be a, a good opportunity for them to use it. Um, there's obviously a lot of teams that would make sense for him need-wise, but most of them don't have the cap space or an easy way to get to the cap space. Like even the Packers, I think they have less than a million dollars in cap space right now. But if you want to get Julio Jones, just restructure Aaron Rodgers' contract or give him an extension in conjunction with the trade, and then you can make it work. I kind of tend to dig it i i don't know how, i mean who i i think julio jones is a hall of fame wide receiver with two to three years left in the tank and if he plays 16 games he's going to be a top five wide receiver in terms of yards and touchdowns sometimes he's weird with but there's no doubt about it that if you get julio's best in a trade you are going to you're going to crush the falcons on that deal yeah, I mean, he's been either like the best or second best wide receiver in the league for years. Like yeah. I, when we did our top 10 receivers last year before the season, I was like, they should just name yards per route run yeah. after Julio Jones because he finished first like four years in a row. And I think last year he was maybe second. Obviously, he missed some time with the injuries last year but i mean the dude's an absolute monster he's a physical freak he's got you know top end speed top end physicality he's he can win at the line of scrimmage at the break point at the catch point down the field like he can do literally everything that you want a wide receiver to do like what is he 31 32 like he's 32 yeah i mean if if you're a team that's in position to win now and you have the cap space and you have the assets to go get him. I don't know what more valuable you're getting than that. You know, like it's, it's hard to think of a player or another asset that could swing a team's odds more in their favor on like other than a quarterback outside of a quarterback. You know, that's yeah. what I was saying. I was asked about it on um, uh, some radio hit, I guess. Oh, it was actually, I was in oh, 92.3, uh, the fan in Cleveland with, um, uh, Bull and Bull and Fox. Great, great dudes, friends of the program. And um, I was saying that they mentioned the Ravens and the Browns is because they were throwing out like an Odell Beckham for Julio deal to try and facilitate Julio to the Browns. And I was saying that whoever, if it's the same thing as the Titans and the Colts, if one of those teams gets Julio, whether or not this is actually true, the Vegas odds would swing dramatically in their favor. Yeah, I mean, you would think so. Um, I, I think if the Titans trade for Julio Jones, 
they will flip flop with the Colts. The Colts will go to one twenty plus one twenty five, and the Titans will be minus one ten or something. Maybe I mean I, you'd still have questions about the Titans' defense, and you never know. Like I feel like because we're looking at it from the the fan and probably fantasy football sure. a little bit point of view, it seems much more impactful. But it's still a wide receiver, yes. and I don't know how much wide receivers affect odds like that, uh, especially in a team like the Titans that bases their offense so much around the run. But you would know more betting wise than I do, so you're probably right. I mean, I, did, I yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I don't know that it necessarily actually flips it that much like i don't know that he's worth x number of whatever that x number of games is i just think that the betting markets will flip because yeah, i mean they're they're trying to get equal bets on both sides right so you would imagine right. a lot of people would start betting the titans so yeah they wouldn't want people to hammer the titans at plus 150 or plus 125 or whatever they are and then when i i'm i'm firmly in the camp it would flip i don't know if it's necessarily worth the flip it depends on the team, obviously, but that's just how the betting markets will react. Mm-hmm. And it will also probably ding the Falcons a little bit, too. I would think their odds would drop. Because, by the way, trading Julio doesn't make any sense with everything they've done this offseason. I don't I don't get it at all. Their win total dubs, eight, seven and a half, the over minus 140. Their NFC odd, odds to win the NFC, 25 to one. Odds to win the Super Bowl, 50 to one. I mean, do they, they restructured? I screened about this before the draft. They restructured Matt Ryan's contract. He's not going anywhere for two years. They draft Kyle Pitts fourth overall. This is they're leaning in to the team they have now, particularly on offense. And the idea that you would then trade Julio Jones is wild to me. It doesn't make any sense. There's got to be another way to create the cap room that they want to create. Also, they're under the cap right now. Everyone's under the cap. What do you need to create cap room for? Like, worry about your lack of cap room next year, next year. Um, I agree. You know, plenty of teams do that all the time. Look at the Saints. The Saints create like $9 million of cap room out of thin air at a moment's notice every single year. Like, and, and Terry Fonda came from the Saints. Like, don't you, didn't you, wasn't that the point? Just like, let this guy figure out how yeah. to, uh, also, how to- if, if you were planning on pick on trading Julio Jones at some point, um, first of all, do it before the draft so you can get the high draft picks this year and not in the future. Second of all, it's malpractice not to take a quarterback with the number four overall pick. I, I, I couldn't agree more. If you are not playing, if, if you're playing for this year, you keep Julio. If you're not playing for this year, blow it up. Start it all over. This this half half measure thing doesn't work in the NFL. I mean, with that in mind, you know, what do you think about their odds? I don't see how they're bettable. And then not that Julio, again, not that Julio is going to swing them from seven and a half to six and a half. But if they trade Julio, that's a bit of a white flag concern for me. And suddenly it's Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, and Kyle Pitts, which is still good, but not elite. And I would worry a little bit about taking the over seven and a half if this is a team that's trading away an asset like Julio Jones. Yeah, it's not like they have a good defense, you know? No. Like, they're counting on outscoring everybody with an explosive offense. You get rid of, you know, the best skill position player on the offense. Like what, like, what are you doing there? You know, Um, I would not be particularly interested in betting on them to do anything at this point. I I think you can't bet on their win total. And I take take it back. I think you could bet on their under, if you think they're going to be a bad football team and you believe that they will trade Julio Jones, 
It's probably baked into a small degree, but you're getting plus money. You need them to go seven and 10 or worse. And that's entirely feasible with this bad of a defense. If the offensive line doesn't protect Matt Ryan better. And if you know, it takes a while to get on the same page with Arthur Smith and all that, and they lose Julio Jones. So if you like, I, I wouldn't take their under at seven and a half, but if you like the under for the Falcons, Plus money, seven and a half is good because it will probably come down to seven, maybe minus money to the under. If once Julio Jones is traded, would be my guess. Yeah, I agree. Like, I don't have more to say. Yeah. So if you want to bet the Falcons, really the only thing you could want to bet right now, and I gotta, I'll be honest, I'm, you know, because I'll tell you my good bets and my bad bets. I, I bet Matt Ryan to win the MVP at 50 to one. Um, when it seemed when it seemed locked in that they were going to take Kyle Pitts, and now it's like f you Falcons for trading Matt Ryan. Yeah, I mean, bet like, uh, is there an over under on Calvin Ridley targets? Bet the over on that. Calvin Ridley to lead the league in receiving yards is a good bet too. If if they trade Julio Jones, yeah, I mean it's oh. it's probably even a good bet even if they don't trade Julio Jones, they're going to throw the ball a lot. Ridley was awesome last year, and they don't have a good defense. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, the rest of the NFC South. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Carolina Panthers, much like the Atlanta Falcons, have a win total of seven and a half, except the Panthers uh, juiced to the overs plus money. So you think the Panthers can win eight games or more? They can still be a below 500 team, technically. Eight and nine. You think they go eight and nine and better you can get plus money on that. They are 30 to 1 to win the NFC, 60 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Carolina's top uh, draft selections were JC Horn in the first round. They come back and get Terrace Marshall Jr. in the second round to pair up with his old buddy Joe Brady. And they grab Brady Christensen in the third round. Really did a nice job of filling out all their primary needs. And they added a guy in Chuba Hubbard, who I love later on in the draft. Also, Tommy Tremble, who should it help improve the blocking game uh, a little bit as well. Free agency, unless I'm missing something, they weren't particularly active. To, I'm, I'm probably missing something, but I, they signed uh, they David Hassan Moore. Reddick. Um, oh, it's not Reddick. That's a good call. Temple guy. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. Uh, Justin Burris. But, you know, Denzel Perryman, and they added some pieces of their defense. I actually think Carolina's defense is really interesting. And if they can get – I I want to buy low on Sam Darnold. And I think the Panthers bought medium low on Sam Darnold. I'd like to, you know, I'd like my price to be a little bit lower, but with the weapons they have and the improvements they made on the offensive line and the defense, maybe taking a step forward, I could be talked into Panthers over seven and a half pretty easily. 
this is one of the things that I've talked about a lot this offseason just because I've wound up us, you know, assigned writing a lot of things about the Panthers and the Jets. And then I happened to be on my shift when the Sam Darnold oh. trade went down. So, you know, the big thing with Sam Darnold is the Jets just did not put him in position to succeed. They saddled him with a bad offensive line. They saddled him with bad weapons and they saddled him with Adam Gase. Um, so it's hard to know if he failed because he's bad or if he failed because he was put in position to fail. I don't think you're going to have that issue in Carolina. I think the offensive line is still like below average, but it's not as bad as it was in New York. And the weapons are really good, and they have Joe Brady at the controls of the offense, and Matt Rule, obviously, you know, philosophically involved in the offense too. I think if Sam Darnold is just not good, we're going to know pretty quickly here because he's in an offense where he should be put in much better position to succeed. Granted, if the protection just falls down, like, what are you going to do? But I think the offensive line is a step up from what he's played with throughout his career so far. Um, that, and the coaching that, staff too. Like, oh yeah, on a blindly because you're talking about Adam Gase. That said, he's been really, really bad in the pros. Like, I, I don't think enough has been made of how bad that he that he's been in his three years. It's not. It's not like he's just been fine. He's been you know legit one of the two or three worst quarterbacks in the league so far. And it's not like he was like, he was a good prospect because he had measurables and he had talent and he had whatever else teams seem to look for in quarterbacks, but it's not like he was, you know, the best quarterback in college football blowing away the competition. And he had all this incredible production that you could lean on and be like, see, that's what that guy is. So it's, we just, we haven't seen super high level play from him for like five years. You know, so it's it, it's tough to say, you know, I want to buy low, you know, so I think he's going to be put in better position to succeed. So I'm more confident that he will than I ever was with the Jets. But I also don't know that I'm that confident, if that makes sense. No, I, I wouldn't call myself confident. I think there are major concerns about his turnovers, lots of other stuff. I, I will say that I, I think at various times with the Jets, he flashed. You, a couple of games. It's not. We're not talking big stretches. That that one stretch, I guess his second was his second year when he came back from mono. Yeah, yeah. And they had they kind of they finished like seven and nine down the stretch, and he had he had some really good games on the stretch. A couple of games early in his rookie year, I thought he flashed. But no, for I mean for sure, even I mean, the weapons are an excuse. The offensive line is an excuse. The coaching is an excuse in New York. I, there's no way I would tell you confidently that Sam Donald is going to be great. I do feel. I will say confidently, and there are people in, here in Carolina that push back on it. I'll say confidently that he's an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's a potential upgrade. Like Teddy does not have a ceiling. Like he doesn't have a ceiling to hit. I don't think he's the a, ceiling he's like, is the floor of Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> yeah, like Teddy might have the narrowest separation between floor and ceiling of any like starting or high backup caliber quarterback since in the Alex. League. Yeah, like it's just you know what you're getting with him. You're getting the checkdowns. You're not getting any risk taking. He's not going to turn it over, but he's also not going to create big plays. Like I think there's a possibility that Darnold has a higher ceiling, but there's also just as big, if not bigger, of a possibility that he has a lower floor because Teddy's floor is not that low. I don't think that that's that's perfectly fair. Teddy's floor is not low. Donald's floor could be lower, but Donald's ceiling is definitely a lot higher. So yeah. it, I would I would take the over on the Panthers seven and a half personally. 
I think they start. I think they start things off in a big way. Week one against the Jets. I, I there is all the motivation in the world for Sam Darnold to have a great game against the Jets. And if you're going to have a, this is a team you can have a great game against. I know Robert Sala is a good defensive coordinator, but you're installing it in your first year. Quinn Williams, we don't know if he's going to be back uh, by by the time that the season starts, or if he's going to be completely healthy and ready to go. They don't have good cornerbacks, and the Panthers have dangerous guys on at wide receiver. So I would anticipate that this is sort of, I don't want to call it the Panthers Super Bowl, <laughs> but if Sam Darnold lights up the Jets and looks awesome against his old team, you're going to ease a lot of the pressure on him out, out of the gates in week one. So I think they get a win there. New Orleans at home in week two is probably an L. Houston at Houston should be a win for this team. So you split with Dallas and Philly. Minnesota at home at Giants. I think they could potentially split there. I'll say L at Atlanta if you want, and then L against the Patriots split. I just think there's there's a lot of splittable combos of games here. Now, it gets tough down the stretch because you have Tampa twice. There's a decent chance in Week 18, Tampa's sitting their starters. And if that's the case, maybe you can steal a win there. This looks like a – I think this team is eight or nine wins Maybe I'm optimistic. Seven wins is certainly possible, but I'm going to say eight wins are better. I'll take the over at plus money for Carolina. That's a bet I like. Yeah, I mean, I think seven or eight sounds about right. Like, I think about them winning nine or ten games, and it just seems high. Like, there's interesting talent on defense. There's not that much talent aside from J.C. Horn at corner. No. Um not at all. Brian Burns is really good. Hassan Reddick has had one season where he played well as a pass rusher, and it was last year was the first time he was really used as a as an edge rusher. You know, I still think they need a lot of work defensively. You know, that they, their their big, you know, second level addition in free agency was Denzel Perryman, who is a good player and went to the best school in the country, but can't stay healthy. Um, he just hasn't been able to stay on the field. And if that's your guy who's going to be the guy stopping the run from the second level and flying all over the field, like what are you doing when he's out? It's it's, it's fair. I mean, there there are definitely concerns when it comes to the Panthers defense. You need a lot of guys to take a leap, but a, plenty of those guys should promise. And Reddick's playing for his old coach. Yeah, I think it's a defense that will be good in a couple of years, but I'm not sure I'm ready to say they'll be good. I think it'd be an average year. defense. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that's a big, if they're an average defense, that's a big win. Yeah, the median expectation is probably like slightly below average, and if they can get to average, then you're talking about possibly nine wins instead of possibly seven wins. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's a hundred percent spot on. So if you buy into the leap, if you buy into Sam Darnold low, and you buy into the leap on the defense, then I then it's the over there is a good bet. Certainly, it's a tough division, and so. You know, nothing's guaranteed, but at plus money, I like it. The New Orleans Saints win total much higher, over under nine and a half, and the over is juiced to William Hill to plus 145, which means there's a significant amount of juice on the under. They are 12 to 1 to win the NFC, 25 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. They took Peyton Turner, the defensive lineman out of Houston, in the first round. Pete Warner, linebacker from Ohio State in the second round. Paulson Adebo, the cornerback from Stanford in the third round. If you're noticing a trend, it's because they went all defense early before grabbing Ian Book in the fourth round, a pick that people made way too much about, given that he's a fourth-round pick with not a ton of physical traits. Uh, free agent-wise, they were not extremely active, right? David Animata and uh, what, Malcolm Jenkins? 
They shouldn't I mean, have any money. No, Malcolm Jenkins was last year. Yeah, Malcolm um, Jenkins was last year. Who they signed? Uh, they I'm didn't really sign obvious. anyone because they had to cut all the money because they were like nine gazillion dollars yes. over the cap. Yeah, they that's it. Jenkins. They let Trey Hendrickson walk. Yeah, uh, they let Emmanuel Sanders walk. Um, they let Jared Cook walk. They cut who they cut one of their offensive linemen, Larry Warford. Um, trying to think what else. Obviously, Drew Brees retired. I don't know how you could bet on the Saints. Like, uh, over under to win anything. Like, you don't know who the quarterback is. How can you bet on this team? I I don't know that you can. And they don't have an easy schedule either. Week one against the Packers. You know, we'll see if Aaron Rodgers is playing in that. They shouldn't. They'll be dogs. Week two at Carolina, week three at New England, week four, Giants at home, week five at Washington, week six, early by, week seven at Seattle. Then you get Tampa, Atlanta, at Tennessee, at Philly, Buffalo, Dallas, at the Jets is should be a win, of course. And then at Tampa, Miami, Carolina, and at Atlanta. That's a pretty tough schedule. Yeah, one thing I think that's good for them is they don't play Tampa until later in the season. So they'll have their quarterback situation more settled than you would in, think. In theory. In theory, um, unless they decide to go with Jameis and then he's going to get pulled every other game because he's going to turn the ball over 600 times. Like you might as well he have might, the over under is turn nine it. and a half turnovers per game. Um, That's me. He might is, turn am it. I wrong? It's Sean Payton's system. Have you seen this guy play? Yeah. He looks slimmer. Got some LASIK. Good for him. Um, is he still out there eating W's or whatever that was yeah, that he did? That was weird. I I think we see something like we saw last year, but they just ratchet up the percentage of snaps for Taysom Hill. So it's like 60-40. Or so that would essentially be like a quarterback split, which we've never seen before in the, the modern NFL. Right. Um, that would be wild. Um, I would not want to be betting on them in that case. I mean, if Taysom uh, Hill is a full-time starter, I certainly don't want to be betting on them either. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't want to bet on them in really any situation because I don't want to bet on them in the case of a quarterback split. I definitely don't want to bet on them in the case of Jameis as the starter, and I don't want to bet on them if Taysom's the starter. It's a team where they might have the most non-quarterback talent still among starters, at least. they've Their depth has been hit a lot because of the, the cap issues, but... I have no confidence in the quarterback situation. I have a lot of confidence in Sean Payton to put those guys in position to succeed, but we've seen Taysom Hill play what, like two games as a quarterback. And uh, we've seen Jason Winston, Jason, Jameis Winston play a lot more than that. And I don't like, I don't like what I saw. He's talented. And like, if you're a fantasy football player, it's pretty nice to have him on your team. I imagine, but you can't turn the ball over as much as that guy does. And it's just, it's been consistent going back to Florida state. Even when he, even when he won the Heisman trophy, he's just, he puts the ball up for grabs. He takes risks. He's a very high risk, high reward quarterback. The opposite of Drew Brees. Yeah. Like, and you know, maybe they create more explosive plays because of that, but look at their, their wide receiver depth chart behind Michael Thomas. It's not great. You went in with like Deontay Harris and Marquez Callaway. Traquan Smith. Yeah. Like little Jordan Humphrey. See, that's not good. Yeah, like maybe Adam Troutman and is now, like the new yeah. uh Jimmy Graham, but I don't think we can say that yet. Like good point. Nick, they they, they traded for Nick Vanette or either signed Nick Vanette. Yeah. I mean, you're this is this offense looks like uh okay, we're gonna 
if this were let's let's say that this were the if it was the Patriots, we'd be like they're going to run the ball forty times a game. Yeah, like it, it, you look at this, you're like, Sean, what's Sean Payton? How? Okay, go for it, Sean Payton. But I'm not sure how you're going to pull this off. And any, if it wasn't Sean Payton, we'd be like, if this is the Browns, you're like, this team stinks. I don't know about that. The defense is still quite good. I mean, they, the, I the they still got a great offensive line. They still got Kamara. They've still got Michael Thomas. Um, Michael right, right. Thomas. Like, there are pieces there. We don't know who the quarterback is, and that is an enormous issue. Like, I feel like it's being under discussed. Like, I don't know how even they're like the second uh, favorite to win the division. We don't know who the quarterback is. Like, it's pretty wild. And, and that's why when, like, when you said at the end of the the Panther statement, like, it's a tough division. Like, is it? Maybe it's not. If the Saints, yeah. it's we not. We don't know who the Saints' quarterback is. If Sam Darnold is what we've seen from Sam Darnold through his career, as opposed to what people thought he would be when he came out of the draft, that's not a very good team. If the Falcons trade Julio Jones, they've got like Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, and nobody else. Like, and Grady, uh, I don't want to undersell Grady Jarrett. I'm sorry, Grady Jarrett. Um, but like, it might not be that good of a division. Like, I think you could easily see the Bucks win. 12 games or so and nobody else be over 500. Well, let's, let's get right to the bucks then. So with the saints, I, I agree with you. I don't think the saints are bettable because the, I just looked the under at William Hill is minus minus one sixty five. You can't bet. You can't take the under nine and a half at minus one sixty five. That's just not a 17 game season. Not with Sean Payton, not with that juice. It's just, that's a bad value bet. If it were, if it were minus one twenty five, I would say it's a great bet, but I, I don't think, I think minus one sixty five is too much. I think the bet, the bucks, however, are bettable. Because you can get the over on the Bucks, the over uh, over under eleven and a half for the Bucks. Their NFC odds are three to one. I don't know if I love that Super Bowl odds six and a half to one. Certainly don't love that. But when you know over eleven and a half minus one twenty five, and then Tampa to win the division at minus one eighty, I don't have a problem with either of those bets. And in fact, I might make both of those. Yeah, I mean. To win the division minus one eighty is tough. Like that's just a lot. You just laid out why this division sucks. Yeah, it's just it's it's once you get more than like minus one twenty five ish, I feel like you're just paying too much. What do you like better, Bucks minus one eighty or Bills minus one sixty to win their respective divisions? Um, in terms of like the odds that it's going to happen, or. Just which win like money. Better, basically the same amount of juice. I mean, not, not the yeah, same. I mean, I think there's probably a better chance that a non-Bills team wins the AFC East than that a non-Bucks team wins the NFC South, which makes sense because that's what the odds say. Um, T- Tampa, by the way, in free agency brought there are all brought back everyone back. Uh, there's no need to. I mean, we've read all about it. Even Antonio Brown is now back in the fold of Dominican Sue. They drafted Joe Tryon, edge rusher out of Washington, with their first pick in the draft. They took Kyle, Dra- Kyle Trask in the second round, Robert Hainsey, Jalen Darden. None of these guys are going to have to play anytime soon. That's just how good, how much depth the Buccaneers have. In, well, I think I mean, the thing is, those, those guys are the depth guys now too, like Joe Tryon's going to be, you know, the third, fourth pass rusher behind Shaq Barrett and JPP. Robert Hainsey's probably going to be like the swing tackle, or maybe he kicks inside to guard. Jalen Darden will be their fourth or fifth wide receiver, depending on what they do with, you know, Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson. Like, so those guys are valuable depth to have. The only thing keeping me from saying like, definitely bet the over is like, 
it might not take 12 wins to win this division. And it's an old team. Like Brady's older, obviously. JPP, Sue, Antonio Brown, like Levante David. Like they've got some older guys. And I think with a division where they're pretty heavily favored, if those guys are banged up, maybe they get their snaps cut back. Maybe somebody misses a game here or there that they usually wouldn't like. I I think when I did, because I did their uh, their schedule prediction, I think I had 12 and 5. So, uh, you know, I think it might be over. But like that, I would think 11, 12 wins is really the range as opposed to, you know, 13, 14 wins. It's not like they dominated the regular season last year. No, they didn't at all. They were hot down the stretch and played a bunch of bad defenses and struggled. They didn't the win the division, right? Like, oh, no, they didn't win the division. division. But I will say... There's something about this team, and 11 and a half is a lot, but it is a 17-game season. There's something about this team where you have to wonder, did they get great matchups in the second half? And they did get some of that. Or was it they finally got on the same page after you know a whole new influx of guys came in to operate together, including a new quarterback and all these different you know pieces in place? And will that allow them to come out of the gates just scorching because they, they, they sort of all know how to play together? Yeah, I think it was a combination of both. Like, I think you could see them sort of struggling to figure out how the pieces fit early in the season, um, especially on offense. The first few times where they played good defenses, their offense was just a complete no-show. Um, and then later in the year, you know, they got things working together on the same page. They got Gronk more involved in the passing game. They figured out like the the distribution of work and touches between Fournette and Ronald Jones. They got Chris Godwin, you know, a little bit healthier from that broken finger. Um and the pass rush was, you know, pretty dominant all year long. You know, I, I think that defense was put in much better position to succeed because they weren't facing short fields all the time. Like sure. the the opponent starting field position from 2019 to 2020 is a dramatic difference. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that was something that when we picked, you know, before the season teams that didn't make the playoffs the year before that will make the playoffs this year, the bucks were one of them because their defense was really good in 2019, but it didn't look like it because they gave up all these pick sixes and short fields where that led to points. Um, and then obviously last year it emerged as one of the small handful best defenses in the league i think that should remain true this year like health permitting and you would think that you know the reason they drafted joe tryon is so they can give um jpp and shaq barrett some more rest um i think that i think they brought back steve mcclendon too so they can even give sue and vita vea some some rest too yeah so on there yeah, they've they've got a lot of depth up front. They've obviously got Devin White in, in addition to Levante David, the cornerbacks to start the year. Like uh, they played much better down the stretch of the season than they did early on in the year, and, and I think that was true of the whole defense um, and, and of the whole offense. Like it was just a team that played much better toward the end of the year. And I don't know that you necessarily expect that now the trajectory is going to keep going up, but you would think they'll be more in sync this year than they were at the start of the season last year. And it's like, it's pretty clearly the most talented team in the division. Yeah. I, I would bet it. I would bet them to win the division up to minus 200. I understand that's laying a lot, but I anticipate 
the more we talk about the same, the more we talk about this division, the more I like that bet. And the other thing, like, unless Brady gets hurt, Brady yeah, Brady really hurt. win that division. Like, if Brady gets hurt, I mean, that's a, you know, it, well, all right. Tip your cap and hope they can pull something together. The, yeah, like I'm I not like too it. confident in Blaine Gabbert. Like, oh, sorry. No kidding. I, I, I like the over 11 and a half minus one, minus up to one thirty. I guess. I, I just think, they can pick off a ton of games. You look at their schedule. They open up with Dallas, who they should beat. Atlanta in week two at home. They should win that game at LA, at New England. Give them a split there. Miami at home, at Philly. I think that's, I think you're at four right there. Chicago at home, five. At New Orleans, let's say they split with the Saints. So won't give them that one yet. At Washington, mm, doggy, I guess. I think they'll get them there. So Giants at home, at Colts, at Falcons, Bills at home, Saints at home. Panthers, Jets, Panthers to close out. Maybe those last three games don't quite matter as much, and that's a concern. But if those three games don't matter, you're probably at 12 wins or better anyway. Because I mean, be- you would think they'll still be trying to jockey for like playoff seating at least at that point. Right. Um, 12 in a 17 game season, 12 wins is not getting you first place in the in the in the conference. Um it, it really could. Is. Like I think the NFC is very evenly distributed this year. And it like it could be a case where there's like three teams go 12 and five and the whoever wins the tiebreaker yeah, if Aaron Rodgers is traded to the AFC then I think it is actually possible that 12 wins could get you that that number one seed yeah it's it's possible like I don't see any NFC team that's like overwhelmingly maybe we're talking about them <laughs> so maybe maybe we're just talking about the Bucks. Maybe. I mean, maybe they are the team that wins like 14 games or whatever um they they, they have the talent certainly on both sides of the ball. They have more um, continuity on they have they have the deepest roster in the in NFC. They have more continuity than anybody else in the NFC. They have all, the greatest quarterback of all time. And he, it's not like he's coasting into this year thinking, oh well, we want a Super Bowl, no big deal. I mean, I, I think he smells blood in the water and he and he's especially staring at that week four game at New England. Yeah, I think you think people are gonna be excited for that one a little bit. Golly, that might that might get some coverage on on Sunday night football. My goodness gracious, October third. All right, dudes. We uh we've been long enough, but I, I my personal bets on the Bucks will probably be the over on the win total and them to win the division. I think that division odds, depending on how it looks with, um, how it looks with uh with Jameis and Taysom Hill, that could get out to two fifty or more by the time that the season starts. Just because if I, Panthers and Falcons and it's just sort of a long shot if Brady's healthy. So I I like those two bets and um. What I say, I'll take the over on the Panthers as well at seven and a half. I think Shaq Barrett for defensive player of the year might be a pretty good bet. Ooh, like spicy one. He's obviously had two really good seasons in a row. He's sort of like established at this point. Um, like I think Aaron Donald will probably deserve to win it again because he's the best defensive player in the league, might be the best player in the league, but also people get bored. Maybe they'll give it to somebody else. The Bucks defense should be really good. I think if if one of the two pass rushers gets rested more often, it's more likely to be JPP because he's older, which would lead to Barrett having the higher sack total. Like, and that obviously plays a big role in defensive player of the year voting. For sure. Um, I don't know what the odds are. I don't know. 30 like, to 1 at William Hill. Okay. I mean, I don't know necessarily that I think he's going to win, but that seems like pretty decent value. One they've every, all these books are sort of started to ratchet down these, these futures for exposure purposes in the off season. Like Aaron Donald's four to one to win the defensive player of the year, which is probably as we were talking about 
earlier in the week or, or maybe tomorrow is, is probably actually a pretty good value just because of how often he wins it. Again, plus odds on it, the best defensive player in the league to win defensive player of the year. Yeah. Like, yeah. Once you, If you want anything better than 40 to 1, you're talking about Jair Alexander, Honey Badger, Chris Jones, Demarcus Lawrence, you know, Zadarius Smith, Pat P, Jamal Adams. I think putting it on a corner is like burning your money. Yes, you put it on it, a pass rusher. It just Fair always enough. goes to a defensive lineman at this point. Like, yep. Stephon Gilmore two years ago was probably the best chance, and it didn't happen. No, he did. He won it. Oh, he did win it. Yeah, he did win it. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a hot button topic. So for sure. All right. Why did I think that he didn't win? Because Aaron so, Donald wins it every year. That's why. Wait, so he hasn't won. Aaron Donald won last year. Or I thought T.J. Watt won. Did T.J. Watt win last year? I might just be out of my mind. Um, it was Donald last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it was Donald. Okay. Yeah, it was Gilmore and then Donald. Discount the what I said. I'm an idiot. Don't listen to me. <laughs> no, but the Donald-T.J. Watt thing was a hot-button topic, too, because it was sort of the voter fatigue thing where you know people don't – anyway. Um, let's get out of here. We ran too long, but it was good stuff and we'll help carry people into the second part of the week. Dubs, as always, a pleasure, buddy. Uh, talk Thanks to you. Hey, man. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.